Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Small Group Leaders Podcast for week two of our current series, Made for More. I'm your host, Roy McMillan, and I'm so happy about some of the feedback that I've gotten from some of you about your groups this week. It certainly sounds like God is moving in our groups, and I can't wait to hear more from you. Last week, we looked at Joseph and Moses. This week, Pastor Chris will be focusing on Joshua and Caleb in his sermon, so the first page of this week's study guide focuses on them. The second page focuses on David. As with last week, your groups can do the sermon study and dig deeper into Joshua and Caleb, or you can explore David and what we can learn from his life as we explore the fact that we are each made for more. With these two studies, we'll be looking at the idea that being faith-filled and faithful equals God's richest blessings in our lives. In the sermon this week, in examining the lives of Joshua and Caleb, the main scripture focus will be on Numbers 13. Twelve spies are selected from the tribes of Israel to scout out the Promised Land. They spend 40 days exploring this land that God has given to his people and then return with their report. While all of them agree that the land is highly desirable, ten of them give a report that there are giants in the land and they believe that there's no way that the Israelites can defeat them and take the land. But two, Joshua and Caleb, believe otherwise. The sermon study is broken down into two sections. The first is labeled Reflecting on This Week's Sermon. The second is labeled Digging for More through Joshua and Caleb. In the first section, there are three questions. The first question asks us to look back on the sermon and share what stood out to us as particularly helpful, difficult, insightful, or challenging. Now, this may generate a lot of discussion. Joshua and Caleb were walking in faith, while the other ten spies were walking by sight. In our lives and the lives of your group members, there may have been seasons where we walked by sight rather than by faith. So allow time for your group to share on this. The sharing of one person may be what helps another person in the group who may be struggling to walk by faith. The second question asks us to share anything that Pastor Chris spoke about that we're feeling prompted to apply in our own lives. The responses here could provide an opportunity for the group to really encourage each other. This could also be an opportunity to pray with a group member who may be struggling in the area of being faith-filled. Be guided by the Holy Spirit here. If you sense that you're being prompted to stop and pray, be obedient to that prompt. The third question of this section points out that the sermon focused on the idea of faith-filled living and asks, what does that look like? What we're looking for here is not just what it looked like for Joshua and Caleb, but also what it looks like for each of us. The next series of questions labeled Digging for More through Joshua and Caleb has three bullet points with a set of questions for each. In each set of questions, there are questions that relate directly to the scripture texts being referenced. And then these are followed by personal application questions. 
So let's dive into this section. In the first bullet point, we read that 12 men were sent out to spy out the land of Canaan. Numbers 13.25 tells us that they traveled for 40 days. Now, the interesting thing is that after traveling for those 40 days and probably covering about 500 miles, these 12 men really found out what God had already told them. In Genesis 15, 18-21, God told his people the names of all the pagan tribes who currently occupied the land. In Exodus 3, verses 8 and 17, he told them that the land was a good land. It was a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Now, God had already given them the land, and he had promised them victory over the people who occupied it. All that was required of them was to trust and obey. But when the men sent to scout the land returned, ten of the twelve reported that they could not and should not try to take the land. So the first question here is, why did these ten men bring back such a discouraging report to the people? The obvious answer here is, of course, a lack of faith. It was their perspective that was lacking. They were looking at the situation through the lens of sight rather than looking at it through the lens of faith. They looked at the people who occupied the land and they saw giants. They looked at the fortified cities and they saw high walls and locked gates. And they looked at themselves and what did they see? They saw grasshoppers. They lacked the eyes of faith that puts God into the equation. I read in a commentary that faith is courage that conquers. Disbelief is cowardice that correctly assesses the impossibility of a situation, but fails to take God into account. The ten spies correctly assessed the situation. The people who occupied the land were giants. They lived in heavily fortified cities, but they failed to take God into account and to realize that with God on their side, they could take the land. And they would take the land. With God on their side, the odds shifted heavily in their favor. The personal application here points out that in our lives, Canaan is the work that God wants us to do. It's the places he wants us to occupy. It's the more that we were made for. We're then asked to share what holds us back from stepping into what God has for us and how we have allowed the discouraging reports of others to keep us from moving forward into the more God made us for. Allow time for the group to chew on these questions. There may be silence at first, and that's okay. Stay focused on the prompting of the Holy Spirit before moving on to another question. Just as with the sermon reflection questions, this could present an opportunity to minister to the members of the group. The next bullet point looks at the two other men who scouted the Promised Land, Joshua and Caleb. In contrast to the report of the ten spies, Joshua and Caleb believed that they could take the land, and we see that in Numbers 13.30 and 14, verses 6 to 9. They had seen the same things that the ten spies saw. 
Yet they believed that they could and they should take the land. The first question here asks why Caleb and Joshua gave a report that was so different from that of the ten spies. Well, Joshua and Caleb walked by faith rather than by sight. So they had the ability to continually trust God. The ten spies were seeing things in the natural. They saw the size of the people in Canaan, and they saw the fortified cities. When you see obstacles in the natural, they look insurmountable. But Joshua and Caleb saw things in the supernatural. They knew what God had promised, and they knew what God could do. When you see obstacles in the supernatural, you're bringing God into the equation. And as Jesus taught in Mark 10, verse 27, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. In Numbers 13, verse 30, Caleb said, we can certainly do it. The next question here asks, what does the word we say about Caleb's statement? When Caleb said we, was he just referring to the Israelites as a whole? Or did he mean them plus God? I believe it was the latter. Caleb knew that the combination of the Israelites plus God was far greater than the obstacles they would be facing in order to take the land. The personal application here asks how all of this applies to us as we look at the more that God has made us for. What we're looking for here is how we look at the obstacles that we face as we step into the more that God has for us. Do we look at them in the natural and say, I can't possibly accomplish this? Or do we look at them in the supernatural and say, with God, everything is possible. I can do this because God is with me. For the last bullet point and the final questions in the sermon study, have one of the members of your group read Numbers chapter 32, verses 11 to 12. In verse 11, we read that due to their rebellion and disobedience, none of the Israelites who had been led out of captivity in Egypt would step foot in the promised land. But in verse 12, we read that the only exceptions were Joshua and Caleb. So the first question asks, why Joshua and Caleb were the only ones of those who had lived in captivity in Egypt to enter the promised land? Numbers 32.12 tells us that Caleb and Joshua would see the promised land because they wholeheartedly followed the Lord. They were willing to walk in total obedience to God's command to go and take the land that he had promised them. They were willing to trust in his ways and follow them. Psalm 128 speaks of the blessings that are received by those who follow the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. 
May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. The personal application here asks us to apply what we learned about Joshua and Caleb in the previous question to our own lives. My thoughts on this are, are that as we pursue the plans that God has for us, as we pursue His purpose for our lives, we need to walk in obedience to Him, in total obedience, and to follow His ways. Even when the obstacles that we may face on the journey set before us seem insurmountable, we must continue to pursue the more that God has for our lives. I'm reminded of one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Well, that brings us to the end of the sermon study on Joshua and Caleb. Now, the second page of the guide focuses on another person in the Bible who exemplifies the idea of being made for more, as we explore more through David. There are four bullet points in this study on David. Each is followed by a set of questions. As you read through the bullet points and the scriptures associated with them, pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these readings and prepare your hearts for the personal application questions that follow them. In this podcast, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with possible answers to some of these questions. Since they're personal application questions, each person's response is either personal to his or her life or it reflects his or her personal opinion. As we covered in the small group leader training, we must remember to respect each other's opinions, even if we disagree with them. Before reading the first bullet point, have one or more of the members of your group read 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 13 aloud. The first bullet point says that when Samuel went to the home of Jesse to find the one whom God had chosen to succeed Saul as the king of Israel, he looked at David's seven brothers, and he was impressed by their appearance. But then God spoke to Samuel, and he told him that he doesn't look at the outward appearance of a person, but rather at the person's heart. God had chosen David, the youngest and the least significant of Jesse's sons, to shepherd his people. God saw that David was a man after his own heart. It's not unusual for God to use the least likely person to do his work. Have your group think about that, especially as it relates to themselves, and then share how that makes you feel and why it makes you feel that way. Then have the group share what they think it means to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Before reading the second bullet point, have someone in the group read Exodus 23, verses 29 to 30. Although this question is not in the study guide, you might want to ask the group what they take from this passage. What do they think it means? Why would God drive the occupants of Canaan out little by little rather than doing it all at once? I think there are two reasons. One is a practical reason. God tells them if he were to drive them out in a single year, 
the land would become desolate and wild animals would become too numerous. If there was no one there to tend the land and tend the crops, the crops would fail and the land would become overgrown and desolate. If there was no one there to control the population of wild animals through things like hunting, they would become numerous, making that land dangerous for God's people and for their livestock. Basically, the land would become uninhabitable. But then there's a second, more important reason. God said that he would drive the occupants out little by little until his people had increased enough to take possession of the land. I believe that God is not just talking about a population increase here. He also needed to see his people increase in the areas of faith, obedience, and reliance on him. If you decide to ask these questions, I wouldn't spend too much time on them. You can briefly look at them and then move to the study guide questions. In the bullet point here, we read that in the passage from Exodus, God is teaching his people how he uses small increases to prepare them for greater things. Now, this was certainly true in David's life. The first question in this section asks, what were the small increases that we see in David's life before he actually took the throne? David did not assume the throne immediately after Samuel had anointed him as king. He went back to tending his father's flock. But David was made for more than tending sheep. He entered into Saul's service by playing the harp for him. He defeated the giant Goliath. Then he took command of the army of the Israelites. And then he spent a good deal of time fleeing Saul, who, realizing that David was to take his throne, sought to kill David. It was only after these incremental steps that David finally assumed his place on the throne of Israel. Now we turn to the personal application questions in this section. All of us, like David, have been made for more. But also, like David, we need to be faithful in the small increases before God allows us to step into the more that he has for us. Have the group share about the small increases that God has entrusted to them and how they have been faithful over those things. After giving time to share on these questions, have them share whether they have seen their responsibility increase to greater things as they have been faithful in the small increases and how they have seen that in their lives. In my own life, I've seen this to be true. At about three years ago, I felt that God was calling me into ministry. Since saying yes to God, I have seen him entrust me with small increases. First, he had me begin to write a devotional blog, sharing the thoughts that he would give me. Then as I began to study for ministry, he first gave me the opportunity to serve as a small group leader. Then I was entrusted with being a leader for the men in our choir. As I served him faithfully in these areas, he then allowed me to step into leadership of the senior ministry at the church. And now, because of my faithfulness in these increments, he has given me the responsibility of serving as small groups coordinator. As you move on to the third bullet point, 
have one or two people in the group read 1 Samuel 16, verse 18, and 1 Samuel 18, verse 4. These two verses make it clear that the key to David's success is that the Lord was with him. Last week, we saw that this was also true in the life of Joseph. And Scripture tells us that it was true for Joshua and Samuel as well. When you look at the life of David, it's evident that he loved and worshipped the Lord. Out of his faithfulness to the Lord, he surrendered himself to do the work God called him to. And as long as David followed the Lord, God blessed David and used him for his glory. Have your group share on what it means to them that the Lord is with someone. How do we see that in the lives of people like David? There are so many people who we read about in God's Word whose lives testify to the fact that when God is with us, we can accomplish the more that He has for us. Have your group share on how they have seen that to be true in their own lives. Before reading through the final bullet point, have someone read 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 21 to 23. In these verses, David says that he has kept the ways of the Lord and is not guilty of turning from God. He says that God's laws are before him and he has not turned from God's decrees. Yet when we look at David's life, we can see that he was far from perfect. But we also see a life that was defined by a heartfelt desire to serve the Lord through covenantal faithfulness rather than unfaithfulness. We know that David sinned, but when he did, he was quick to repent. David's life was characterized by faithfulness and humility. Just as David was imperfect, so are we. God knows this, and yet he still desires to call us to his purposes. When we look to live a life characterized by faithfulness and humility, we, like David, can accomplish the more that God has called each of us to be. Have your group share about how they believe that they can develop and or maintain the traits of faithfulness and humility in their own lives. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's study guide. As with, the last, with last week, you can choose to do either study or some combination of the two. The choice is yours. As I sat down to do this podcast, I realized that we didn't have an icebreaker question for this week. So this week's group leader's tip is a suggestion for an icebreaker. It's called Life Verse, and it gives us the opportunity to learn about other group members through their favorite verses. Here's how it works. Hand each group member an index card and ask them to write their life verse on the card. The verse should be one that's significant to them or one that represents a promise or calling of God in their life. If they don't have the verse memorized, they can look it up in their Bibles. If they don't have a particular verse that's important to them, they can use the concordance to look up verses related to an important word or concept such as love, grace, obedience, when everyone is finished, ask group members to share their verses and to explain why it's significant to them. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. I hope it was helpful. Remember that I'm here for you and I'm praying for you and for your groups. 
Father God, I thank you for each and every one of these group leaders and the groups they represent. I ask that as they lead their groups in this coming week, you will bless them, bless their time together, and bless their conversations. I pray that they will become closer to each other and to you as they share in this group time, and that they will truly live out the one another's of Scripture in their groups. Most of all, I pray that through each of these leaders and each of these groups, you will be glorified. I ask all of these things through the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you lead this week. Have a great time in groups.